Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to Worldwide. My name is Blair Bachico. I hope that you are having a fantastic November. Um, truth be told, I like to record the majority of my podcasts like at the beginning of the month and just drop them sporadically. So that's why throughout September and October, you're like, hey, we're in October, da 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 no word of a lie this is november 4th that we're recording this and uh just fair warning i would try to do a more detailed synopsis of how november has treated us but i don't know so this week on the podcast i am very very excited my guest this week you have heard him he is the voice of lpw he has punk and pile drivers and he has also joined myself and my good friend plugo on four exposure when we preview the monthly LPW shows. So joining me this this week on the podcast, none other than Boris. Boris, how are you, Mr. Audible Chocolate? I'm going to put on my my goggles. I'm going to look into the future of November and say that it sucks. <laughs> Most likely. The way things are going, I have no no nothing, you know, nothing to lead me to think anything is going to be different. So But in fairness, I hope I'm wrong. But no, thank you. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, me too. I mean, we we had chatted when I was out there and even when you were on uh, For Exposure that I wanted to have you on. And I'm glad we finally get the chance to sit down and talk. I was penciled in and then I was panned in and now I'm in. Yeah, well, hey, just so the listeners know, I thought Boris was big time in me when we were planning this out. <laughs> he left me on red and then he was I like, did. no, no, I'm just really busy. So I got a new job and uh, it's got me into like a new routine and it's just drilling so much information into my brain that I'm a, I'm a little bit out of sorts and I got that message and I was like okay I'll answer him later and then like I was sitting in the car just getting to work and I was like I got that message days ago and I never answered <laughs> it so honestly I apologize for that I am the, the least qualified person to big time anybody but uh yeah sorry about that no no it's all good it's just I just have to poke a little bit of fun about it so um I want to ask, how did you get involved with doing commentary? Like, take me back to the very beginning, how this all laid out for you. So I'm going to preface everything by saying that I have a terrible memory. (laughs) I tend to forget things or get facts wrong. It drives people crazy, especially MRV, who has like a photogenic memory. He'll be like, no, that didn't happen that way. Or no, that's wrong. (laughs) Or no, that wasn't this person. That was someone else. Uh, But the commentary started, uh, I was working for... PWA, I was doing ring announcing, ring announcing, and then I was uh, heel managing for a while. And there were gentlemen who started making DVDs, <laughs> and I don't remember if I offered or if they asked me, but uh, they they came, we came together somehow. And one of the guys who was making the DVDs did the color commentary, and I did the commentary. Um, I was thinking about it the other day, actually, because I made DVDs for PWA for quite a while and everything I did was digital and it was a lot of work. Those guys were still working with tape. So I can't imagine how hard it was to make those DVDs. So I think those guys deserve a shout out. But yeah, I don't remember if I was asked or if I offered, but yeah, they asked me to come in and uh, those early DVDs visually are good, but I'm terrible. Awful, 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 awful. I go back and watch them and listen to them and I'm like, oh God. You know, it's for me, it's the like when I go back and I'll hear a clip from an early podcast episode and I'm like, 
yikes you know like that was pretty bad so it like anything it takes time to progress and get better at the craft you're pursuing did you ever imagine that the start doing those pwa shows would take you to where you are now with your commentary career um i was just trying to i was having fun i really really enjoy it it's kind of my place like i was an okay ring announcer not great i was an okay you know heel manager not great i think when i started commentary not great but i've kind of grown into it and i think it's kind of my spot where i belong um yeah when pwa stopped running during the pandemic i was kind of worried that it was all over so i was really excited to get the opportunity to work with lpw and uh, i've been trying over the year to kind of expand my reach my goal for this year was to call a show outside the province of alberta unfortunately it didn't really work out that way but you know a show has you know 15 20 30 wrestlers but only one commentator and most companies already have their own guys so there's not necessarily a lot of spaces but uh i'm loving what i'm doing now and i'm hoping to expand that in the future but uh, i'm having fun that's good that's all that i don't know if that answers the question exactly but yeah. start starting off i was like i hope i get better at this <laughs> i mean you you've be you've become to known as the voice of lpw i mean everybody knows boris you know so i mean i think you've really crafted out a, a spot for you in the wrestling landscape and what you mentioned is very true when it comes to commentary if the promotions aren't you know recording you know chances are they don't need commentary you know and mm -hmm. if they are then they're usually already situated with it so it's tough to branch out and do work for other promotions that have already established themselves. It's just one of those things when it comes to wrestling. And I think you could, you know, pay to bring in other talent or you could pay to bring in a commentator. You're probably going to take that other talent and not another commentator. So I get it. It makes sense. Oh, 100%. Um, let's talk growing up. I mean, what was childhood like for, for little Boris running around? <laughs> I was born on September the 10th, 1976 at Ooh, the General okay. Hospital in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which is no longer a hospital. Uh, no, I grew up a wrestling fan. Uh, my, my dad was really into it, so I would watch with him. And what I thought was cool is my dad was a big magazine guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, the younger people don't really understand how big and important the magazines were uh, back in the day. Because we would get WWE or WWF television, and that's all we would get. We would get Maple Leaf Wrestling when I was a kid. Stampede would be on at 1.30, Maple Leaf would be on at 2.30. That was my two-hour Saturday block every Saturday. And my dad would buy, like, all the after magazines, the PWIs and all that stuff. And he would read them, and then he would hand them off to me. So I kept um tabs on what was going on in like the rest of the wrestling world with like the nwa and the awa by reading the magazines and i remember an episode of maple leaf wrestling when they you know that at the end they would always say next week you'll see ravishing rick rude and blah 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 and they had the debut of the legion of doom and i was like well, can i curse is that okay yeah. oh you can i curse. was like holy shit i've seen pictures of the road warriors in magazine never seen them wrestle but i'd seen pictures of them for forever so i kind of some of the new guys coming in I kind of knew, but yeah, I grew up a big wrestling fan. I never envisioned myself a wrestler, though. I never thought that that, especially back, you know, in the 80s when the guys were, like, big and larger than life, uh, I never envisioned myself doing that. So maybe that's why I manifested into what I'm doing now. But, yeah, I grew up wrestling fan, grew up Calgary. Ed Whalen was my hero because he did the Flames games and Stampede Wrestling, so my two loves he did. Never got to meet him, but, yeah, grew up wrestling fan, always loved it. Uh, I got out of it a little bit in kind of – the the early to mid 90s 
mm-hmm. when I, and this is the way I explained it in Duke Durango, like this analogy, but I grew up and wrestling didn't. Mm-hmm. Like it was still kind of aimed at kids and still kind of gimmicky. And I got back into it kind of 97 ish with attitude era. And I came across a raw one day, just randomly. And I watched it and I liked it. And I started exploring on the internet and found ECW. I'm like, okay, this is more. So I got a bit of a lapse in my watching for maybe three or four years in the early to mid nineties. But yeah, that's kind of my story. I think for a lot of people like in our age area, that whole, are we true. the same age? Are we in the age area? We're close. Cause I was born in 81. Okay, I got five years on you, but that's yeah. not too, too far. Okay. So, like, I was the same way because, like, right before the Attitude Era, I had kind of checked out a little bit too. Like, it just, you know, at that age, you're getting into different things because I was, you know, a 13-year-old, 14-year-old kid. Like, you know, I'm out playing with friends, hanging out. So, wrestling was not high on my list, but same sort of thing. Like, I came across... Mantar wasn't role. doing it for me. Not at all. But you know what did do it for me was Ahmed Johnson. You know, I remember seeing this guy on a a Monday Night Raw one night. And I was like, yeah, I'm into this, you know. And that kind of brought me back into it. So, But it took a little bit of work. And Mm -hmm. same thing in the um, mid-2000s. I just kind of checked out. And it took a lot longer to get me back into it. But I'm glad it did because it's something that I, I really love. It's kind of ingrained. When you when you put yourself... I find a lot of people, when you put yourself into this, especially like getting involved into it, you, you kind of go jumping in both feet and it becomes just a part of you. Like a lot of the, if you talk to a lot of the guys, I would think, or a lot of the talent guys and girls, they would say it's kind of taken over my life, but that's just how it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true because I mean, a lot of people who are involved in wrestling, especially the performance, uh, actually wrestling, I mean, it's a big part of their life, you know, because you're training, you're having to maintain everything. You're doing extra stuff, like whether it's a podcast or promoting something like it's, it's almost like a full-time job in itself on top of already what else they have going on. And I just watch a lot because I'm a fan. So like I watched ring of honor television this morning and I've got last night's GCW show to finish up. And there's, I'm still working on battle of Los Angeles and GCW have another show tonight and it goes on and on and on and on and on. You had mentioned the magazines, and I mean, that was something that I was right into as well, because I remember my mom, she worked at a grocery store, so like, you know, Friday nights, she would usually have to work till nine, come home, and she'd always call home, and I was like, oh, mom, can you you buy me a wrestling magazine? And she would, you know, she'd track one down, bring it home, but that's almost, it almost is forgotten about of just how influential it is in wrestling, because that was like our twitter that was our form of news source you know and of course some of it was just bs but like that's how you were finding out about different wrestlers i mean when i'm watching all i had was wwf and the weekly broadcast of stampede so to read about world class or awa Mm -hmm. this was all new stuff for me so oh jerry lawler and carrie von eric yeah like they had a bloodbath this is cool i want to see this you know so like that was really our way of like finding out about new wrestlers. I think. Yeah. A lot of the, the younger folks and I sound like such a fogey, but don't understand how important the magazine culture was. And what's cool when the network came out was I could go back and I could look at Starcade 85 and be like, you know, I, I did a lot of tape trading when tape trading kind of came in, but it was more for current things that were going, but I can go back to Starkey 85 and watch dusty win the title that I read about in, in mm-hmm. that magazine back when I was nine, my goal or not a goal, but what I would love to see, and I know it doesn't have the cachet it did anymore, but I would love to see my name 
in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I would literally cut that page out and frame it because I read that magazine every month religiously when I was a kid. Uh, LPW's name has been in there a few times, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, would, would go to Walmart and, and look at it and mark out just because a company I work for is a PWI, which I know doesn't mean anything to anybody who's like 25 or 20 years old. But to me, like, that's so cool to see a company I work for in PWI. Uh, I think for uh, even you mentioned that, but I think for a lot of the wrestlers nowadays who, when they do get that mention, you know, whether it's the PW 500 or the PWI 250. There like, needs to be a commentator, like a commentator 20. I'll be number really? 20. I don't give a damn. Just put my name in there. <laughs> I think it holds true though, that like, sure. It, the PWI might not hold the same weight as it did when we were growing up, but when you're recognized by your peers and that sort of yeah. aspect, then it's like, okay, they're like it's almost like a real recognizes real thing you know Mm -hmm. where it's like okay people do know this um for yourself i mean as a common questions for me you've got am i important enough for written questions i did jot down notes my god i did not want to go into this (laughs) empty-handed you know we we planned this out like at 11 p.m last night being like saturday yeah okay what time saturday we're talking you know but i was still able to jot down a few things i want to touch on (laughs) I'm I'm flattered. Oh, of course. Um, For yourself, I mean, you've been able to witness so many different commentators over the years. Who were your biggest influences, if any? See, I I don't know if I have influences because I don't know that I that I talk like anyone else. I have people that I'm fans of that I Mm -hmm. really like. Like, obviously, I loved Ed Whalen. I don't think I sound anything like Ed Whalen, but I loved Ed Whalen. Big, big Joey Styles fan for, you know, I loved when I learned about ECW. I dove into that because I'm like, this is cool and this is current and cutting edge and different. And I liked that he called the majority of that stuff by himself, Mm -hmm. which is what I've done. The majority of all my stuff I've called by myself. I think Michael Cole starting to get the credit that he deserves because Michael Cole, I thought, has always been good. Uh, I like Kevin Kelly a lot. I didn't like when Kevin Kelly left Ring of Honor and they brought in Ian Riccoboni. I was not an Ian Riccoboni fan just because I don't like change. But I've grown to really, really like him and Caprice have a really good vibe. Um, There isn't really a lot of people that I don't like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave Prezak, I would love to call like a GCW show with him. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, There's a lot of really, really good talent out there. And I think that's why there's so many good or so few spots is because there's so many good guys out there. But growing up, you know, I like Vince and I like to use the will you stop sometimes when I've got like a co-person working with me. And and I like the ha 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 laugh that Vince used to do. (laughs) Uh, uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby always had a really good vibe. Um, I think Shivani's doing some of the best work. in. I didn't really like him towards the end of WCW, but I heard he wasn't really having a whole good time being there anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think Tony Schiavone is doing some of his best work right now. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good guys out there, but I grew up on, on you know, Vincent Gorilla and, and Ed Whalen. You mentioned, like, Joey Styles and the one-man commentary booth. And, like, I was fortunate enough to do commentary a couple times. And one of the most difficult things I found was having to do it by myself, especially for the first time. Like it was the first time doing commentary, first time you're alone, no one to rely on except for like the odd match where someone would jump on. And I found it very difficult, especially first time, because I feel like, okay, you can't have any dead air. You always have to be talking, always saying something. 
And then uh, afterwards, you kind of progress and be like, no, you can let the matches breathe a little bit. You don't have to be talking over everything. And it's almost like it's part of the learning curve when it comes to announcing. Do you have a preference doing it by yourself or with a partner? That was one of my things back when I first started is I feel like I had to always fill up that space. And I think I still do that sometimes like I still kind of critique myself and I still feel like okay you don't have to say every move you don't have to constantly talk there's times where you can kind of back out and let everything breathe just like a match mm -hmm. if you're constantly working then nothing kind of soaks in uh, I've been doing it like the majority by myself for so many years that I'm really comfortable with it because I can kind of steer the ship whichever way I go and I, I have you know not pre-planned but I kind of know you know, the mechanics of the match and I know what I want to do. Um, so when I do have someone, there's some people that you just click with and some people that you don't. Because um, at PWA, we used to just have random uh, wrestlers just sit down next to me for whatever match. And, and sometimes they'd be really good and sometimes they'd be, you know, just like a match, they want to get their shit in or try to be mm -hmm. funny or clever. Some guys would want to make it about me and them instead of what's going on in the ring. Um we're working on on bringing some of like the the clandestine thursday night shows i've been calling with dash from heavy hockey and we're kind of working with him and he's been really really good so mm -hmm. far and uh, we'll see where that goes but i'm quite enjoying working with him he's really really nice guy really into it and, and like asking a lot of questions and really wanting to learn i like that guy a lot um but no just so used to calling by myself that i'm, I'm comfortable because i know that I have control of this whole booth and I can steer this wherever I want it to go and it'll be fine. Uh, I, I should give props to Dash as well because when I was out there for LPW 19, because he was doing the commentary with you and he was able to step aside and let me join you for a match. So I really appreciate that, even though it's a little different being in that seat as opposed to calling everything because that's what I was used to before. So I'm like, Blair, don't call any moves. Let Boris do that. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Because that happens like when I was with, with Veda Scott, who I really enjoy working with the couple of times that I've got to. I'm hoping that we get to uh, work together again. We're both used to kind of being mains. Mm -hmm. So we would kind of just naturally, I'd, like I'd, she'd kind of take over and I'd kind of back out a little bit or I would yeah. do my thing. Because she would be able to call mechanics of moves in the match where she didn't necessarily know too, too much about personalities and angles that we had going on. So you just kind of find your spot. But I think we clicked really, really well together. I enjoyed having that. Dash is coming along really well. I like that guy a lot. Um, I think it just comes from reps and working together and you get into a groove because he says that he like he watches a lot of my, my stuff. So he knows my cadence and knows some of my favorite things. And I don't think about that. I just think everybody has a style and words they go to and that they say all the time. Just like in a match, you have your favorite spots. I've got my favorite words. So mm -hmm. I, along. it's funny how underrated cadence is because even when I'm doing interviews, like sometimes when I have a guest, if they have a, just the way they speak their cadence, if it's something I'm not used to, I'll find myself like I'll cut them off a few times by accident. And then it's like, Hold mm -hmm. on. You have to give it a second. Let them finish. You know, it's a very underrated aspect when it comes to anything like audio related. Yeah. And there's volume levels and, and excitement levels because like I've been trying to get him to to because I'm excited about what's going on and he'll he'll say something and it'll be a little bit lower key, a little bit quieter. And it's like, you know, if if we're not excited about this, then the people aren't going to be excited about this. So he has to kind of match my excitement level, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. 
Oh, it does. Sound, I don't want to sound like I'm being an asshole, but I like that guy a lot. I think the future is bright, and I think we're going to have a thing, and it's going to be fun. I mean, you've been doing this. What for, are you listening oh, to? I hear the violin. Is there? A... Um, it's uh, Jimmy Eat World, the Futures. Oh, okay. Uh, deluxe. I was doing a little cleaning, and I had that. I wasn't sure if it'd be able to pick up or not. So, yeah, it's all good. Um, now, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Has there ever been like a a match or anything where you like? lost it where it was like you know you just popped that hard that you you know had to laugh or chuckle I, there's been a few times where i've laughed uh shikak Barshabaz likes to to sometimes yell at me while he's standing on the ring for tag matches and you've been at the love shows you see how close mm-hmm. i am to the ring so so there's been a couple he's, that's some great tag team action say it and i just start laughing and i and you know and i think it comes across as natural and it's okay um, so laughing, I've done a few times. The time that I think that I lost it the most, where I just kind of left my job and just became a person, um, was the finish of uh, Michael Richard Blaze and Teddy Hart at the PWA show a few years ago. I don't know if you saw the finish, but they did a Canadian. They had a, a, a ladder set up and then another ladder bridged onto the ropes, and they put a table on top of that ladder and did a flipping pod driver off it, and I was scared that my friend had died mm-hmm. so if you go back and listen to it uh it's me and kurt sorokin who runs pwa he did that match with me and i screamed as the spot happened they they did the one two three count kurt said it's over and i literally yelled i don't care <laughs> and i went and i i like like if you go back i'll see if i can find a clip of it and i'll put it on social media or like let me know when this rel like when this goes out and i'll put a clip of it out but i literally yell i don't care because i was worried that that you know mrb was hurt yeah so that's that's one of the times where it was like a shooty shooty because i was scared mm-hmm. but uh, there's been some laughy times and and you know stuff like that and there was one time where i literally had to put the headset down and walk away I was doing a match where with Sheikak Barshavaz, he he used to sit in with me a lot. And there was, you know, one of those spots where the, the baby or the heel is just, you know, laying in the punches. And he said, a bukkake of punches. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. I literally had to take the headset off and I walked away mm-hmm. because I was laughing so hard. Um, again, not the most professional thing, but that's a, a funny story that made me laugh. But yeah, the time that I kind of lost it, the most where I, I forgot my job was that that spot with with MRB because I was a little worried that my friend was dead. <laughs> I, I will never forget that line now, a bukkake of punches. Yeah. I hope to one day use that in some aspect of wrestling. So. Yeah, I'll see if I can find a clip of that and I'll send it to you afterwards here on Twitter. I'll pull a clip of it because, yeah, I literally was like, I don't care. And Kurt's like, I got to go check. And he throws the headset down. Yeah, it was it was. It was a scary moment. Once I knew everything was okay, I was like, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen and everybody was okay, but yeah. Um, you you had mentioned um, ring announcing, being a manager before. How did you end up become getting stepping into the place of ring announcing? Uh, my first gig ever in wrestling, just like Paul Heyman, uh, was actually taking pictures. Okay. Um, I had just had my first son, so we went out and got a digital camera. And this is 2001. So this thing was an HP digital camera. It was the size, literally the size of a brick. 
and it was like 1.8 megapixels. It was just terrible, but that's how the technology was back then. And there was a company running here in Edmonton called CCW, Canadian Championship Wrestling. And I was friendly with one of the guys that worked there. And I said, hey, I've got a digital camera. You guys got a website. Maybe I could come take pictures. So that was kind of my first gig as I would go to the shows and I'd just kind of roam around ringside and take pictures for their website. And I got into PWA. I was friendly with some people there who introduced me to Kurt Sorokin, who ran PWA. And their ring announcer at the time uh, was getting a job that he had to move to Lloyd Minster or so. I don't remember, but he had to leave. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for somebody to fill the shoes. And, and I was introduced to Kurt and they brought me in and I did that for a little while. So that's how I got in. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like I know when I did commentary, my thing was like, I don't want to be involved with what's going on there i don't want to be a part of the storyline i don't want anything like that i just want to be able to call the matches was that ever anything that you wanted to kind of have like bleed into storyline things or were are you just set on being just doing um, we did it the one time with uh andy anderson and i had that match with andy anderson uh he was uh going to be leaving uh the pwa and he and him and i very very good friends i, I mm -hmm. love andy to death and he wanted his last angle to be with me because we were such good friends. So he did the thing where he was bullying me and picking on me and yada, yada, yada. Uh, we They booked a match where if I won, he'd have to leave. But if I lost, I'd have to be a servant and I won and he had to leave. Uh, other than that, I'm happy where I am now. I, yeah. I used to because I really, really liked managing. I really liked performing. Mm -hmm. And I, I was bummed when that kind of ended for me. But then I realized what I was commentating managing i'm involved in one or two matches a show commentating i'm involved in every match of the show mm -hmm. so i still get to perform which is what i like and i'm having a lot of fun when it comes like i mean you mentioned just the some of the stuff that you have have been watching and plan to watch in the future i mean who or what types of wrestling what gets boris going when it comes to wrestling i watch a little bit of everything mm -hmm. um i i I like Lucha. I watch a little bit of stuff from Japan. I'm a big deathmatch guy. I like the deathmatches. I, as long as it's, it's, you know, entertaining and decently put together, I, I like to watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not really super picky. No. And that's the thing I find with myself is like, I'll, I'll give anything a go. Um, like I was never a huge deathmatch guy until I went to a live show and being a part of that. And you're right up close and you're like, yeah, this is intense. Give me more light tubes. Give me more thumbtacks. And <laughs> now I can, I'll watch it on TV, but like it took going live to see it to really get me into it. I found it's not for everybody. No, it isn't. And that's the thing about wrestling that I think is so great is there's so many different avenues to it that like, you don't have to like everything. You can like what you like and let other people like what they like. And I think that's almost like a golden thing when that it should be with wrestling. Yeah. I used to be pretty outspoken of things that I didn't like, but now that I'm I, I, you know, I want to get booked more. I keep my opinion to myself. <laughs> things that I don't like, but there's definitely things I like and things I don't like within shows and 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 things that certain people do. But on the most part, you know, I watch as much as I can. Really, mm -hmm. um, I want to ask about Pumpkin Pile Drivers. How did that all start up? Uh, I uh, loved radio when I was a kid. Uh, radio mm -hmm. was something that I wanted to do for a living when I was a kid. And I just never really followed up on it. And then uh, in 2018, I was able to, with my situation, uh, go to school for it. So I went to Nate and I took uh, the radio broadcasting course and 
while I was going to Nate, you could have your own like after hour show on the Nate radio station. So I had a show called Old Man Yells at Cloud, where mm -hmm. I would just play, you know, new and old punk rock because that's what I like. And the radio career didn't really pan out because of pandemic and, and other things, me being old and not being able to relocate with, you know, family and kids and stuff. But so I wanted to take um, my after hour show that I did into like a podcast form. And then I thought, well, why don't I take the two things I like that I love the most, wrestling and music, and add them together? And I thought it'd be kind of a neat idea because the very first episode was just me chatting about wrestling, you know, news, and then I played music. And I thought just listening to me is kind of boring. So I started asking friends to come on. And then it morphed <laughs> into what it is now where I have a guest on. We talk about their wrestling career, and I have them pick two songs that they like, any artist, any genre, and we talk about it. So it kind of combines the two things I love the most and put them together. It's been a bit on the back burner a little bit because I've been having trouble finding guests. I'm supposed to do one this weekend with somebody who's been kind of hit or miss getting back to me. I've had a lot of people agree to do it that I really want to talk to some like American indie people that I really like. And then as soon as they agree to it, they just disappear and stop talking to me again. Yeah. So I'm having a lot of that, but I'm, I'm trying to get it back going again. Mm -hmm. uh I have a lot of fun doing it. I think that's the most important thing is like, it's a creative outlet. You enjoy doing it. People like it and it's, it's fun. And sometimes that gets lost in, I mean, growing up and doing stuff like this. If you're, you know, down about it, you almost have to take a step back and realize like it's wrestling. You're doing this for enjoyment. If it's not, if you're not enjoying it, then it's like, don't do it. And that happened to me once. Like when this isn't fun, that's when it's time to get out. And that happened to me once years ago with PWA, where I, I I was not having as much fun as I did, and I stepped away for a few months. And then I got the itch, and I was like, "Nope, you still love this. You're dumb. Go mm -hmm. go back." So I was like, "Yeah, I went back." <laughs> it, you had mentioned uh, being a big punk fan. What was your entryway into punk rock music? Um. When I was younger, I was really into hair metal when I first got into music because that was kind of what was going on. And then 94, when Nevermind came out, kind of blew everyone's doors off and the grunge kind of morphed into the punk, especially now as I'm getting older. Um, this is the way I've, I've explained it before. When I was 18 years old and Tool put on a new album and it was six songs in 80 minutes, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's put this on and let's dive into this and let's examine every note and every every chord and every drum beat. Now I'm 47 years old. I'm tired. I'm busy. Give me your 13 songs that are 26 minutes. Give me the best shit you got because I got to work the next day. <laughs> and that's kind of where it's come from. Give it to me fast. Give it to me hard because I don't have the time. I'm tired. You know, it's it's in the same vein as like when I go to a concert, like uh, we went to go see Tegan and Sarah this past summer. Someone I'd always wanted to see, never got a chance to. So I was like, okay, let's go. And I went to high school with them. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know them at all. But they ran, this years ago, a mutual friend uh, told me that they asked how Boris was. And I don't remember ever speaking to them my entire life. So I don't know how they know who I was, but that's just... That's me just name dropping for this. Hey, that's dropping. okay. But anyway. They might get tagged when this podcast drops now, just because, <laughs> so... Um, we went to go see Tegan and Sarah, and before their last song, they came out. They're like, "Okay, this is how we're going to do it. We aren't doing an encore. This is our last song, so this isn't a joke. When we walk off the stage, this is it. You're we free to go. To, yeah, we just want to let everyone know you guys can go because it's weird as shit. If someone leaves, comes back two minutes later, plays three more songs, and then they're done. So this I've is always it. found that odd. 
it is. I, I don't want to stick stand around. Just play everything and then I can leave. That's how I want it. Yeah, I got shit to do. Yeah. Um, a couple more punk related questions only because that would, punk has always been like a big part of my life when it comes to music. Um, any favorite albums? Uh, I'm a big Ramones guy. I think the yeah. first three or four Ramones albums uh, are really, really good. I'm a big Bad Religion guy as well. I don't mm-hmm. think they put out a bad album. Um, there's a bunch of like newer stuff that I'm listening to now. Like I don't mind the pop punky stuff, and I don't mind the emo punky stuff. Like it's if it's good, if it's good, I like it. There's lots of non-punk stuff that I listen to as well. Um, the Wonder Years put out an album earlier this year that just played over and over and over and over and over in my car it's i think it came out this year if it if it did it's my album of the year for sure it's called the hum goes on forever by the wonder years definitely check that out um (laughs) i like off with their heads has a good album their last one too much stuff too much stuff i i was really into off with their heads their first couple albums i thought they were fantastic like i love drive incredible song and they were one of the bands that i haven't had a chance to see yet that i would really like to and I would love for Gaslight Anthem to drop something else new or to tour again because I saw them back, I think it was 2010 maybe, and they had just released 59 Sound, and it was one of the best shows I had ever seen. I loved it. Yeah, last not last weekend, but the weekend before, um, Bouncing Souls were in town with Urethane and Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Great, great show. I like going to shows. I'm too old for the mosh pit nonsense, so I like stand back and let the kids have their fun. But uh, yeah, love to go yeah. to the show. I bought tickets. Uh, obviously, this is will be airing much later than the concert, but um, on Tuesday, I'm going to see Monine and Sparta. Okay. And I loved both of those bands for many years. Like I remember going on eBay and tracking down like a Sparta. Like It was released with like a case of Mountain Dew that we couldn't get up here in Canada. <laughs> it's like four songs, but I had to have it. So I was mm. scouring eBay for it. So, um, yeah, there's so many bands that I like when I get asked, my mind goes immediately blank. Like I could open my Spotify and show you the last few things that I've got. Well, actually, let's do that. Let's yeah. do that right now. Uh, Jeff Palmer has a new album out. That's really, really good. No bro have a new album out. That is also really, really good. Uh, uh, oh, Sincere Engineer. I really, really like since I, I've been getting into a lot of bands, uh, either all-female or female-fronted for some reason, only that I don't know why, but I just am into it. Sincere Engineer have a really good new album out. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock's new album is really good. MXPX's new album is really good. I did uh, not know that MXPX had a new album out. Yes, they do. Uh, Restraining Order have a new album that's really good. Dave Haas is really good. I like him a lot, too. Uh, uh, Friends of Rom's new album is also really good. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. I, okay, <laughs> we'll we'll move on from this right. But my one memory of Frenzel Rom was um, buying the Survival of the Fattest Volume Two, and that was my entryway to a lot of different bands because I love Titty Twister by Diesel Boy. I thought okay. it was such a great song. So I remember going. It was like a few days before grade nine graduation, buying the CD for ten bucks and just loving it because you had High Standard on there, Propagandi. All of these like skate punk bands that like were brand new to me, and it was like that was like kind of set the tone for like what I got into afterwards. But it was like it was such a great starting point when it came to punk music. A lot of people find found out about a lot of bands from like those old Punkorama CDs, and a lot of people from the Tony Hawk games. Like I'm not mm-hmm. like a big video game guy, so I never played them, but I talked to a lot of people who uh, uh, the Tony Hawk games were really a gateway. If you like skate punk, check out a band called Satanic Surfers. 
Yes, yes. Loves um, Aquatic Surfers. Finally got to see them last fall after waiting for like 20 years for them to come back. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. great, great band. Do you have any very memorable guests from Punk and Pile Drivers? Like, and I know it's, I don't want to say favorites because like to me, if someone was to say like your favorite podcast guest for me, I'd be like, I, I can't say that. But like there are ones that I had really good encounters with that like really stand out to me. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go... Sorry, I cut you off there. I apologize. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go back in time and tell you a little story that I... I'm going to sound like a giant douchebag right now, but I actually did podcasting before podcasting was a thing way back in the late 90s and in the early 2000s. Um, do you know what the real audio player is? Are you old enough to know what real audio... Okay, so hey. back in the day, I uh, did a show on real... Like a real audio show called Behind the Squared Circle with uh, Mm -hmm. myself and I did it with a friend of mine who actually worked for CCW that got me that photography gig. And so it was was like a a show I record and put it up on on a website and it would stream using the real audio player. Forefather of podcasting, give me my flowers. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But actually just through email addresses and stuff, I got to talk to a lot of really cool people. I had Jeremy Borash on, I had Bobby Heenan on, I had, uh... see, I can't remember now because it was so long ago, but yeah, I, I remember uh, Jeremy Borash was interesting because TNA had just started and they had just hired Vince Russo. So I asked him, you know, how do you think that, you know, Vince Russo is going to affect your product? And he's like, I don't know, ask him yourself. And he gave the phone because Vince Russo was standing right next to him. And so I, I talked to him for a couple of minutes and I was freaking out because I had no questions prepared for him. But uh, I'm trying to remember it, but I had a lot of really, really cool people. But I know uh, uh, Bobby Heenan was one. He said he'd been hit in the head with the chair so many times the top of his head smells like ass which I thought was a really funny line. <laughs> I'm drawing a total blank of all the people that I had, but I had like like a lot of really cool like name names, like Bobby mm-hmm. Heenan type name. I think Jimmy Hart might have been on as well. I'm drawing a total blank because this was, again, 20 years ago. Yeah. But uh, back then, yeah, I had a lot of cool uh, uh, guests, a lot of fun guests. Uh, Punk and Pod Drivers, the, the vast majority of the guests are all – local friends mm-hmm. so everyone is fun because you know I, I get to listen to music and talk with my friends mm-hmm. uh or invite was really cool because he was like the first like american indie uh guy that decided to do it and we actually hit it off quite well and we actually text every week he's been on the show like two years ago big oh. baseball guy and him and or invite and i are you know talk about baseball and we chat fairly often and i'll send him messages after his matches that i'm watching live and like you okay dude he's like yeah i'm good (laughs) um but yeah most of it has been with friends and it's been a lot of fun the one that i did with ravenous randy and michael richard blaze to set their match up uh was good because of the heated argument slash discussion much like the one recently with uh, thaddeus archer and ben omen um i mentioned on commentary at the show that that podcast had to go through two sets of edits and a disclaimer and that's a shoot that is real i've never had to edit the podcast before but i i had two sets of edits and a disclaimer before we could put that one up there's some stuff that we some stuff i had to take out that people said i have so much love for ravenous randy myers because he was one of the like first names that i ever had on the podcast and reaching out to him and them being willing to do it and it was like for me like just starting off like that was huge and i think like it really helped for myself just progressing and being comfortable reaching out to people because it can be mm-hmm. a very daunting thing yes, like absolutely especially if you get rejected a few times or like 
you know, you even mentioned like, you know, you ask someone, they say yes, and then they just disappear, which is a common thing in Reddit, like for doing this stuff. And I want to name names of people who've done that over the past couple of weeks. I don't know if I should, though. Ah, you know what? <laughs> Screw it. Uh, Tony Deppin said he would do it, and then he ghosted me. Marcus Mathers said he would do it, and then he ghosted me. Uh, Mickey Knuckles, I've been talking to all week, but has ghosted me a little bit. I'm hope I was supposed to do that this weekend, but mm -hmm. and again, no disrespect to those guys. I love those guys. I think they're all very talented, and that's why I want to talk to them. But yeah, it's 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 hard to to get some like more bigger names outside of your immediate circle. But you know, I'm a wrestling fan, so I want to talk to those wrestlers because yeah. I'm fans of those wrestlers. So. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I totally get it, you know, like, Hey, for myself, I'm just a guy who wants to like, you know, just talk about wrestling and other people, you know, like wrestlers, they might not have, you know, want to get, do something like that. Might not have the time. Totally cool. I'm just trying to like carve my little niche in this. But when they say yes, it's like, like, yeah, it's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I, I, I can, I'm sure I can pick a couple. But I wanted to ask you, because you've called a lot of matches, and in the same vein as podcast guests, any ones that really stand out to you for memorable? See, I get asked that all the time, but there's been so, so, so many. I've been really, really lucky uh, because of how successful PWA was. Because mm -hmm. PWA was able to bring in a lot of, of name talent besides the great talent we already had. Uh, just because we always, you know, we paid and we treated them well and, you know, people talk to people, talk to people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was lucky to get a chance to call AJ Styles matches and Samoa Joe matches and, and stuff like that. One of the ones that sticks out was, uh, MRB and Brandon Van Danielson did a 60 minute Ironman match that I know how much it meant to both of those guys. So calling that one was a lot of fun. The last PWA show before the pandemic, the, the, tag team main event and i can't remember for the life of me who was in it um i just felt like i was sometimes i just feel like i'm in the pocket sometimes i'll i'll leave a show and i'll be like that wasn't my best tonight i just and then there's other times where i just feel like i'm really in the pocket and that was one of them but yeah they had the mrb teddy hart just because of that finish and how i kind of left my brain um uh, anytime you get to call you know samoa joe and uh uh jay lethal and lance storm mm -hmm. and Chavo Guerrero and Harry Smith. Like I've got, I've been lucky to call a lot of like really household names. Uh, like you mentioned something that kind of resonates with me is the, like you leave a show and you're kind of down about it because like sometimes you know, that does. Sometimes I'm just yeah. like, I just didn't have, and everyone's always tells me, Boris, you're fine. You're awesome. You're good. But just in my brain, I'm like, that's not one of my better shows. Well, how do you balance that? Because I know that's something for myself that like I, I struggled with that the few times I did it thinking like I just did the shittiest job in the world and everybody's going to hate me for it. And then it's like you, you know, you listen to it, you check it out. It's like, OK, no, it, it is OK. But like that initial like post like match calling can be a very tough thing to deal with. Um. Yeah, sometimes it'll stick with me and I'll be bummed out about it. But at the same time, I can't go back and fix it. Mm -hmm. So it's more like just, you know, on to the next. I always know that I got another shot, you yeah. know, as long as Spencer wants to keep, you know, bringing me in uh, every month. So, you know, you, you can't get too bummed about it. Just like I think a wrestler, and I don't want to speak for wrestlers because I'm not one. But like, you know, I didn't feel that it was my best match. But hey, you know, next week, next month, whatever, I get a chance to go back out there and do it again. Uh, so you just got to kind of, uh, you know 
shove it off. And, and it does make me feel bad because those are the guys that are in their bus and their butts in the ring. And I want to come through for them, mm-hmm. but I've never had, well, I shouldn't say never, but like, I don't often have anybody come to me and say, Boris, that sucked. You made our match worse, <laughs> which is good because I probably couldn't handle that. No, no kidding. Um, you mentioned Spencer LPW 21, a few matches have already been announced and I'm hoping that you will join me in Plugo when we re- preview the show. Or if you have already joined us, thank you for joining us, depending on when you're starting, <laughs> just covering both bases. Um, no, I'm going to big time you now. No, I, would, <laughs> I, uh, I always love talking to you guys. Um, three matches have been announced. And I mean, kicking things off with that announcement of Killer Kelly versus Taryn from Accounting. We'll, we'll just talk about a little bit about the matches announced, but what a huge opportunity for Taryn from Accounting right now. I'm going to pull back the curtain just a, just a tiny little bit yeah. and tell you why Killer Kelly is my new favorite wrestler. Okay. Um, if there's some talent that are, I'm not familiar with, or just, you know, I want to make sure I know my stuff. I will always, the week before the show, I'll grab my pen, my pad and my pen that I always have at the shows. And I will do research and I'll write down bullet points of names of moves and just maybe a bit about their story or character or gimmick. If I'm not familiar, she sent Spencer a sheet that says commentary and it's got all her stats, all the names of her moves, her whole story, all her shit. So Killer Callie, if you're listening, you are my new hero and favorite wrestler because you've made my life and job easy. And I wish that more uh, people would do that. But, I mean, some people don't think about the commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, it's going to be a banger of a match. Taryn from Accounting has really, over the past couple of years, she's ventured out into kind of the, the Pacific Northwest, up into the States and in the coast and started to make a name for herself and start to really get over and popular. Uh, Killer Kelly's coming into her house so she's going to have to fight hard to get a win. And I got the best seat in the house. Um, I'm very excited for that one. Huge Killer Kelly fan. And I'm, I'll am i get to see her next month here for WPW. Um, I, when she takes Do on they need Joe. a commentator? They have two. <laughs> well, then the answer is no. Sorry. <laughs> um, also announced was MRB challenging for the LPW Grand Championship against the newly crowned champ, Larry Woods. I am excited to see what Larry Woods is going to be able to do with this title around his waist. And what a bigger challenge than having MRB right off the bat. And that's just it. You have to kind of wonder what's going through his brain because he scratched and clawed and fought so hard to get that shot. That match was chaos from bell to bell, but he he pulled it out. And he's got four weeks to kind of enjoy his new trophy. And then his feet are right into the fire with, you know, one of the best that Canada has to offer. But, I mean, you look at Son of Irish. He was on a losing streak for the longest time. And when he won that title, he got that shot of confidence and adrenaline. And for months, he mowed through everybody. So maybe this is what Larry needs to, re- you know, realize that he, you know, I can hang with anyone and I'm going to prove it. Mm-hmm. And also announced was the LPW scramble match. And so we've got Jack Bride in there defending his championship. Uh, Evan Evan Rivers. Evan Rivers coming back to LPW. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Rich King stepping foot into a scramble match. Tony Baroni. Um, uh, Uncle Daddy Tony Baroni. Uncle Daddy making his return to LPW as well. And the debuting villain Tara Zepp. So you have... So many different moving parts this match, so many different styles, and I am very excited for it. This is one, like, right now, like, it's up there for uh, the looking forward to when it comes to matches, so I'm excited for this one. 
my dark horse, the first thing that I thought of when I saw that lineup was Rich King. Because he just saw his partner, his best friend, bring home the big one. And maybe that's kind of inspired him. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to bring home the big one too. But that scramble title, you got to give all the credit. Because I always talk about the math. You got to give the credit to Jack Pride because there's no championship advantage. The champion comes in at a disadvantage. He's only got 25%, 20%, however many people are in the match, to a chance to win. And he still gets it done every month. Uh, this one, Evan Rivers, Sarah Zepp, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> They're hard to call sometimes because there's literally shit going on everywhere. And kind of the, where, the way the, the the table set up, when there's people on the floor, sometimes I can't see what's going on. So I can only focus on if there's two people here, two people there, two people there. I just got to pick one of them. <laughs> and I don't have a monitor, so I kind of don't necessarily know what the people are seeing. <laughs> so sometimes I'll look at where the cameras are. And if I see a camera on that, I'll be like, okay, chances are if that camera's on, because the hard camera is going to cover everything. Yeah. But if, you know, that roaming camera's on that, then chances are that's what they're seeing. And that's what I'll try to talk about. But scramble matches are a lot of fun to call. They're hard, but lots of fun. Now, to yell a lot. <laughs> they are a lot of fun. And like, I, that's one thing I'm very thankful for is that I don't have to call one because I'd be, I, it'd be like a yard sale, just me everywhere. It can be, yeah. Um, okay, now I like to ask everyone for a match recommendation. So one that you you are a fan of, and it can be any promotion, doesn't matter. Um, one you're a fan of that you think the listener should go check out. Okay. Um, I haven't watched this match in a long time. Uh, in product, God, probably a long, long, long time. But for the longest time, my favorite match of all time, and... I'm thinking about it now because, again, I haven't watched this in a long time and there's been so much wrestling that's happened since this match happened. But for the longest time, my favorite match of all time was Sabu versus the Sandman Stairway to Hell match from ECW House Party 98. Mm -hmm. I haven't probably watched that match in years and years and years. And now I'm worried that it's not going to hold up and I might actually watch that right now. Uh, the ladies at work, so I got the house to myself. So me and uh, me and me and Jimmy Cornette are gonna. I don't know how to do this. There it is. Me yeah. and Jimmy Cornette might watch some some. Uh... But yeah, for the longest time, that was my favorite match, just because again, when ECW hit, it was just it was current and it was aimed at the age group that I was, and it wasn't Mantar. And I was watching these guys do all this crazy shit, and I'm like, okay, I'm into this. So I tape traded for lots of ECW because we didn't get the TV until. Uh, the TNN show. But yeah, mm-hmm. Sabu versus Sandman, ECW House Party 98 was my favorite match for the longest time. I haven't watched it in probably 10 years, so hopefully it still holds up. But yeah, that's I the one. Lo- I love everyone's introduction to ECW because mine was Living Dangerously 99. A guy came to high school with a VHS tape and he was like, hey, you got to check this out because I had, I vaguely knew of ECW, you know, and then I put it on and I was fucking floored with Rob yeah, Van Dam like, versus what? Jerry Lynn is this yeah and then you have sid walking out there and it's like oh you got a little late okay yeah he didn't last long but seeing sid in an ecw ring was still really cool just like seeing scott hall for the like three Mm -hmm. shows he did dusty Rhodes, yeah some of those guys yeah i still stand by the dusty Rhodes steve carino as one of my like favorite dusty Rhodes moments only Mm -hmm. because i got into dusty so late so i just got uh, a hold of todd gordon's book uh, okay. So I'm, I'm reading that right now, and it's it's so far very interesting. It's kind of chronicles how we started the whole thing, and it's really good so far. Anyway, now for those listening, um, what do you have coming up? If there's anything you'd like to plug, here is your chance. 
Uh, I'm supposed to be doing a Punk and Proud Drivers this weekend. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. So, I mean, stay tuned to your local LPW uh, social medias as well as mine. Uh, other than that, I don't really have anything much going on until the next LPW show. I've been debating uh, starting to write on my blog again. I have a blog. I haven't written on it in literally two years. But uh, I, I always want to write because I think that writing, it's a good exercise for the brain and it's just kind of fun. So I was thinking of like reviewing random obscure shows that I've never seen, like that Heroes of Wrestling show. I've had it on a hard drive for years, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. Yes, yeah, uh, Lucha, Under, <laughs> Lucha Underground, I've had on a hard drive for years, but I've never watched any of it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe reviewing weird random shows on and writing on the blog. So if I do that, I'll put it up on my social media as well. But right now there is not a whole lot going on until uh whatever the november show date is 27th 24th um i'm a good employee hey don't even know when the hell the damn show is it is um i think it's 24th poster let's see oh let's go to the top of the lpw twitter page i should know this uh i i can't i'm just gonna go to my calendar look for the last friday of the month which is the 24th Perfect. Talk about, I told you, this is a very professional podcast. So for those listening, um, <laughs> uh, um, okay. So your social medias, did you dish out the handles? I, uh, uh, you can follow me on the Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called. No, at BB Boris. You can follow me on threads and uh, Instagram at BB Boris, the number one. And I don't really do much of anything else other than that. That's that's all right. That's all that matters. So, Boris, thank you so much. Boris goes a long way, I think. (laughs) Boris, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a blast. My pleasure, man. Anytime. I look forward to the uh, the preview show we are going to do in the future or the past, depending on when this goes up. Thank you so much to Boris, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on all social media, uh, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. So just search that. You will find it. Podcast at gmail.com, up on all podcast streaming platforms. And every Saturday, you can find me with my good friend Plugo doing four exposure as we take a look at the world of independent independent wrestling. So uh, lots of great stuff up on Love Wrestling. I, I'll always plug it. I'll always plug the great stuff up on there. Some incredible content. So definitely check it out. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.